Hello world, I'm Jared Cunningham. This is the Freelance Forum 2021 podcast series. Over the years, the Freelance Forum has been made possible by support from the National Union of Journalists and the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. This is episode number 21. I'm talking about the photography business with David Brannigan. David, welcome along. Thank you, Jared. Good to be here in these strange times. I suppose just to start off, Dave, could you just give me a little bit, uh, talk a little about your background in the photography business? So I started out as a freelance about 30-something years ago. And one of the first things I was advised to do was join the NUJ. That was sound advice coming from a very well-known PR person in Dublin at the time. And the situation back then was very much of the, the traditional newspaper and media model that so many of us grew up with and at that time I was specializing a lot in the area of marine and sports and sailing which is one of my other passions and I was taking photographs but not able to land them because there was a lack of words so in addition to photography I also uh, write copy and it's a question of really broadening your skills base but that was done at the time with the blessing of the NUJ that it was it was a good thing to do if you if if there was nobody else available to to write or photograph so the main issue uh, that a uh, photographer would encounter over the career as a freelancer is how to handle their copyright you take your photograph that photograph is yours you own the copyright on it but over time, you may decide to sell that copyright or you just sell a license. And then you, a lot of your time, obviously, is spent in making sure that nobody breaches that copyright. Could you talk to me a bit about that and how you, how you work that? I suppose I'd be aware over the years that copyright has become a more and more fundamental part of our, of our working lives. And I think what brought that on particularly was the, the advent of digital and the ease in which making copies of digital files of your work is so easy. And in the times that we live in with more and more economic pressures coming to bear and, and the ease in which images and your work can be taken, it's, it's actually a fundamental part of certainly mine and a lot of other photographers' income stream to be able to ensure that you're, you're not losing out by somebody else nicking your work. And I think it's probably important to point out that I'm talking about this in the context of freelance. It's important to point out that if you have a contract of employment to provide photographs to your employer, either as a, on a part-time basis or on a full-time basis, your employer owns the copyright. So just to be clear, we're talking about a situation here where as a freelance or a self-employed photographer, you are the, the owner of the copyright um, and that also, you don't have to be a professional. Anybody with a camera phone, the moment they take an image, they are automatically vested uh, with the copyright, the ownership of that image, regardless of its artistic or any other value. It's, it's yours. It's part of your basic rights and you should be entitled to protect it. And that's really where so many of us are, are deriving part of our income from chasing down people who for one reason or another, decide to take something that doesn't belong to them. 
how do you go about chasing down your images? How do you keep on top of, as you say, I mean, with the internet, anyone can copy and paste it in two seconds. How do you keep on top of where your images are and making sure that you get paid for them? It, it's, it's a fascinating area because in as much as the internet and digital has transformed and undermined much of our business model, for want of a better word, there's there are now more and more resources becoming available to you uh, that actually help you as a result of the evolution, the rapid evolution of, of the internet and the digital era. So finding your, your infringements uh, or people who have infringed you, first of all, it's important to say that if your images are digital and you have distributed them in any way, um, the chances are they could be out there. Finding them, it's, it's also a, a product of, of how much of your work is out there. So I've been heavily invested in digital for the last 20 years. Uh, a lot of my work would be out on the internet and I can find it if I look for it. So using things like Google image search, uh, there's also a, a process called reverse image search where uh, there's a variety of websites that you can go to that trawl the internet looking for images. So you could you can load your picture into uh, these sites. I'm thinking of things like TinEye, and and they will find images, find your images by comparing what you uploaded to what they have trawled the internet for. And then more and more, there are a number of there's at least half a dozen that I know of uh, services that match up. Uh, internet trawling with legal services. And for example, one that I've used uh, is a company called Pixie. Uh, they operate internationally. You subscribe to them, you upload um, copies of your images to them and they watch the internet to see where those images appear. And they send you notifications to tell you, yep, your picture has appeared here. Is it a legitimate use or is it an infringement? And if you decide it's an infringement, they will work with you to recover money that's that's due to you. That's an example. Uh, I've found that they don't tend to resolve things quickly or in, indeed get you a lot of money. Um, I found doing it, the DIY version has been more successful for me. Um, by DIY, I assume you mean that you let them find the image, but then you take the invoicing and so on into your own hands? Unfortunately, no, they won't let you do that. They will They will take their cut for, for their services and their, their legal services. The, the DIY version is where you go out and manually find an infringement, not necessarily on the internet. I found infringements, uh, people who have gone to the internet, downloaded a picture and then printed it off in, uh, advertising literature or for billboards, things like that, um, or for information boards, and they have infringed your copyright. So I would manually go after them that way. I, I would write to them. I would explain to them who I am, what they have done, where that picture came from. I would absolutely prove that it's my picture, keeping it respectful at all times, but just point out to them that they don't have a license to use my work and that they need to uh, make good that situation. Are you mainly chasing, like, for example, other uh, news publications, PR agencies, advertising, and so on? They tend to, to vary. It's, it, most professional image users know better than to infringe copyright. I mean, it's a PR agency or a newspaper. They would not be 
places that I would see as uh, likely infringers. Uh, and certainly in my work, I would do work on behalf of newspapers, but also on behalf of PR people to generate uh, coverage. It's you know the days of being commissioned by a newspaper to go out and shoot pictures. For me, they're pretty rare. Uh, so most news media use of my own pictures, in my case, would tend to be legitimate uses. And they would not have to pay reproduction rights. That, that would be fairly common for a lot of PR photographers. The, where I have found most value, if you like, from chasing or from uh, inadvertent uses, uh, I had one instance two years ago where a book publisher had infringed my copyright with a big picture and credited to another photographer. And luckily they were owned by a German, comp- uh, a German owner. And uh, Germany is very strong in copyright protection. And I wrote to them politely and I pointed it out and they wrote back immediately and apologized and offered a, 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 a good settlement. And, and that was the end of that. Everything was kept civil. Everything was kept very, very uh, polite and firm, but not threatening in any way. The last thing you want to do is end up in a, in a legal battle because it, uh, it doesn't suit anybody, but you do have to be very clear on what has happened. Um, another case was uh, somebody trolled the internet using uh, Google Images, found two of my pictures, used them in a document for a construction firm. It was a professional user. Uh, I actually found the infringement in, they put the document online. And again, Google Images spotted the document. And so that's how it came to my attention. And I wrote to the professional company advising the firm and I said to them, these are my pictures, you published them. And they came back to me and apologized and it was a settlement. So generally, if you're reasonable with people, uh, people, people understand um, that you have to earn a living and that they've taken something of yours. And most people are, are I found, are reasonable and decent. Uh, could you talk to me through just that process of once you find an image, what you do? Um, I assume there's a bit more to it than like picking up a phone and saying, hey, you've got my image there. If only. <laughs> uh, I, I certainly know that Perhaps my, my experience uh, <laughs> would not be everybody's experience. I know that in, certainly in the UK, there is a very active campaign uh, to try and discredit people asserting their copyright. But what I would do is I would take a screen. If I found the image, I would take a screenshot of it. I would learn as much about how the picture has been used. I'd go back to the, uh, there's a website called Wayback Machine and see how far back, the which basically caches websites as they develop. So I, I would see, I would try and figure out how long the picture has been used for, basically build up as much information. I would go and, of course, check that that image is mine. I'd go to the original archive where you have all your backup of images and, and show that it was part of a sequence or the, the the image data, the metadata showing the date and time it was taken, where it was taken, everything that you need to prove the provenance of the picture. Um, and I, I basically build my argument and then find out about who the infringer is. If it's some sort of shelf company fly by night, it's probably not going to be worth your while. Um, 
But if it's if it's an established uh, firm or company or business, you know, if it's a blogger, you're probably not going to get anywhere unless they're they're a big advertising draw and making a lot of money from from what they do. But there are plenty of other infringements out there where people are more likely to be worried about their reputation and not want to have something like this hanging over them. So after establishing all that, um, draw up a letter, polite, uh, address it to the principal of whatever operation it is, uh, set out your case, basically set out the provenance of the picture, point out to them that you can't find any record of having issued them with a license, and therefore you would like to know how they plan to settle with you for the infringement of your copyright. Um, and, and just keep it polite and send it by registered post. See what happens. That's the start of it. Generally, I assume what happens at that point is most people will just go, yeah, sorry about that and off to settle or whatever, yeah? I mean, some people will try and, and make excuses and uh, will try and quote the law on, and will try and um, say, oh, it was on the internet, therefore I can use it, all sorts of things like that. And there, there's a lot of disinformation out there and they'll try and draw you into an argument on it. And it's very, very clear, you know, in Ireland, we have the Copyright Act of 2000 and that protects us. It gives us our rights. So knowing what your rights are is very important. Um, you know, it's 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 um it, it's an area that I'm not a lawyer, and none of what I'm saying here is is legal advice. But knowing what your basic rights are is part of being full time, whether you call yourself a professional or a worker or anything like that. This this is what underpins our livelihood, and knowing where people are likely to go with an argument. You can't change the fact that they used your picture. You didn't give them permission. You're entitled to charge a fee for a license to use that. It's too late now. So you're entitled also to some sort of penalty uplift. So going back further, you need to make sure that you've, you have you don't throw away your images easily. So if, if you're the type of photographer who goes to a client and says, yeah, 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 here are the pictures. You can do with them what you want. Uh, I'm not worried about copyright. Well, then don't be surprised if down the road you find that your rights have been infringed because somebody was told that you said you didn't care about it. It's You've got to be very clear when somebody hires you, unless they're paying you big bucks to give an unlimited license in perpetuity for whatever uh, purpose that person or subsequent people that they transfer the license to, uh, then you've no you've no subsequent claim. So you kind of have to start out on the foot. You mean to go up, continue on. Uh, you don't give unlimited licenses unless you've been properly rewarded for it. Uh, speaking of proper rewards, I know it's a part of it is how long is a piece of string, but how do you set your rates uh, and indeed the rates for infringement, which would be different again? Again, I think it comes back to one of the, the, the pressures that so many of us are under in terms of, first of all, paying our bills and then paying ourselves some sort of a decent salary or, or living wage. The, the fact of the matter is that if, if you get pulled into a race to the bottom, 
you won't be able to stand over your, your claims for worthwhile compensation for an infringement. So it, it comes, everybody's different. So, you know, people have different overheads and I'm not suggesting what people should be charging or anything like that. I know in my own case, I have a minimum uh, fee that I charge for uh, a reproduction license to be used on internet and it scales up from there. Um, and depending on what the infringement is, I ask for the equivalent of the original license plus 100%. So you basically double whatever you would have charged. And if they haven't given you a credit, as they most usually don't, you add on uplift for the lack of attribution, which you are entitled to under the law as well. And if they've distorted your work in any way that undermines the value of it or changes it in a way that you don't approve of, you're also entitled to uplift for that as well. So there's a whole range of, of things there, but it, to answer your question, it really comes down to what you charge for your, your basic usage for a reproduction license. Because if you go to the likes of some of the big image banks online, you can pay them, a, a, a legitimate user can pay them a, a monthly subscription and have unlimited use of pictures for a couple of euro each. And if you're only getting a couple of euro for a picture, don't expect 100% uplift uh, for copyright infringement to be worth your while chasing it. But if you charge 250 euro for a basic license and somebody infringes, you, you then have the ability to go after them. So, well, I normally charge 250 euro, whatever it is, for my, uh, for my work. And that's our starting point. And after that, it's a question of how badly do they want to get rid of you? When you sell an image, do you have like a standard contract that goes with it, granting particular rights, or does it have to be bonafide each time? When when I send out my invoice for uh, a usage right, I state on the invoice what the purpose of the license is for, and as I understand it, that qualifies as a license. So. It's not a contract. I generally wouldn't get involved in contracts unless it was a very big job, uh, you know, worth thousands, which, you know, are hard enough to come by at the best of times. But certainly in, if, if I was retained as a photographer for a particular project, uh, I would have in that contract what the, the usage terms are. If I'm pitching for a job, I would always ensure that you know, the copyright situation is resolved up front. I do find that a lot of big operators, including the state, will have a line in the contract that you give them copyright. And I don't believe, and again, this should be checked out by a lawyer, I don't believe that's how it works. The, the, the law only provides for a license, and a license is the lowest form of permission that you can get. I think, wouldn't you agree, if, if their terms are, if you accept the, the contract, that's you've accepted those terms. But again, I'm not a lawyer either. Exactly. And, and it, I, I think this is the, the problem because there's, it's not simply a question of saying you have the copyright because they will also make you liable for delivery of services based on, on those images. So, for example, well, who stores the images? Uh, if you shoot them in raw format, who is responsible for storage of the raw images. If you no longer own those images, uh, who do, does the client have 
the technical facilities to store backups in you know terabytes of data sometimes, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, it, it's never that simple. But a lot of people think, oh, we just say make copyright a standard condition of our agreement. And it ain't that simple. A lot of the time, what people actually mean is we want to be able to use the pictures for what we need. And in that case, it's very straightforward. You grant the client a, a license to use the images for the particular purposes that they set out because your, your fee is going to be based on it. For example, advertising always commands a higher price, but a lot of people don't need advertising, so they don't want to pay that price. That's fine. But if you were to give them the copyright, they could then use them for advertising. And so it's, it's kind of a, a circular argument, really. If, as I say, if people pay top dollar upfront, by all means, you transfer anything you like and make it legally sound and make sure they're responsible for the images. But if they're only paying you buttons, you shouldn't get everything. Simple as that. It may differ in photography, but I've seen contrasts the odd time, and I've always just sent the back going, I'm not agreeing to this, where there will be a line that will say something like, you retain the copyright on your work, but you agree to grant us a worldwide irrevocable license. So it's basically, okay, I can now sell it to everyone else, but so can you. <laughs> it's de facto, I've given you my copyright, even if I still retain copyright myself as well. Yeah, I think I am not one to be pedantic about it, but again, this is where, it's where the lawyers are, that's where they earn their money. But if, if you were into a contract of, of that scale, uh, it, it, with that clause in there, by granting the client uh, unlimited, irrevocable, worldwide rights, that's great. If it says transferable, that's the end of, of pursuing copyright claims because uh, somebody, if they knew about it, could say, well, XYZ client gave us these pictures because you gave them uh, irrevocable permission to do that. That's absolutely fine. But I think most of the time that can be, you know, that, that doesn't apply. And, and in a contract of that scale, you, Hopefully, I would hope that you're being properly rewarded to make it worth your while. <laughs> like I say, I would hope. It doesn't pay the rent, so it's, it's winner takes all. And, and that's unfortunately into another area of sort of race to the bottom. And you end up, you know, I've always worked on the basis that whatever you get, you split it three ways. Uh, I'm talking about, you know, when you, when you get hired as a photographer, you split it three ways. A third goes to your, your overheads. A third goes for your capital costs and, and hopefully a bit of profit. And a third goes for your salary. So somebody who's, who's getting 300 euro a day is only actually earning in real terms 100 euro for themselves. And, you know, that's, that assumes that they're getting paid every single day of the week to, to even just scrape over the line of, of uh, living, living wage. In fact, you probably end up subsidizing very uh, relatively wealthy clients by you taking the hit on one of those thirds. And it's usually not having enough money at the end of the, the month to, to, to pay or save for the future. I suppose that the key point that I would make is before even considering chasing copyright infringements, you have to be consistent in your, in your pricing and how you go about your, your business of what you do as, a, as an economic unit uh, as a as a self-employed person, 
again, stressing that if you have a contract of employment for even part-time employment as a photographer, you don't own the copyright. The copyright is vested in your employer and it's up to them what they do for copyright infringements. One other point might be worth mentioning. There's an excellent online newsletter group called Editorial Photographers UK and Ireland that is usually open to, to qualifying photographers who earn a significant proportion of their income from editorial photography. And there's that is limited to non-technical discussions about photography. So the business of photography and it's an excellent group for peer advice and discussion and copyright infringement is probably the dominant topic. And there are, although mostly operating under UK law, you'll certainly find uh, a wealth of information there and, and come across people who their main source of income is chasing copyright infringements rather than actually getting paid for photography. Well, I mean, UK law and Irish law tend to overlap a fair amount of since they both <laughs> spring ultimately at the moment from from EU law, although we'll probably see some divergence in the future. But for the moment, they're fairly close. So what, what works in the UK tends to apply in Ireland. I'll put up the link to that group and some of the other things you mentioned, like Pixie, in the notes of this podcast, so people can check them out later as well if they want. Yeah, there's there's Pixie, there's Image Rights. Um... Let let me dig around the EPUB group and see that there's literally so many of them, but a lot of them, it's hard to recommend them because they, they are legal firms. So you're, you're basically authorizing them to take legal action against people. Whereas I found in Ireland, if you, if you, if you go in heavy, (laughs) you'll, you'll get heavy. Whereas if you go in and you're reasonable with somebody, there's a lot to be said for it. I suppose also, I mean, there's also the time involved. Um, if you have an image that's sort of showing up all around the world, it may be worthwhile just to uh, tell you know someone like Pixie, okay, off you go. Whereas if if you've got an image that's you know maybe only of news value to Irish newspapers, you know you have time to sit down and Google images and go through all the results. Whereas that's not really going to work with something that's being reproduced all over Australia or the UK or somewhere in the US? I suppose it depends on how your image has been reproduced. If And there are exceptions in just different parts of the world. But equally, it's probably also worth stating that if your rights have been infringed in America, it's and if there's a chance that your work could be used in America, it, there's a lot to be said for registering with the US Copyright Office, which is a very involved uh, administrative process, but the the rewards in terms of if you have a successful copyright infringement are multiples of what you would get elsewhere in the world. But you're that's not really what a lot of us are trying to do. We're not trying to make copyright infringement our our bread and butter are a big payday. That's if you live your life expecting to be in court, waiting for the big payoff, you know, there's a, there are a lot better things that you could be doing uh, with your time and with your life, but equally as something to do when it's quiet and particularly at the moment in COVID lockdown, 
there's a lot to be said for having a look around the internet for your pictures and seeing what might come of it. And if you are underemployed, as so many of us are, why not? David Brannigan, thanks for joining me. And to everyone listening, stay safe and take care. This has been the Freelance Forum podcast with Jared Cunningham. The forum is brought to you by the Dublin Freelance Branch of the National Union of Journalists and is made possible by network funding from the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland Sectoral Learning and Development Programme. Music from podsubbox.com slash free music is released under a Creative Commons Zero license into the public domain. Thank you for listening.